Growth is the only way to unlock your true greatness, not only to yourself, but to the world. I'm your host, Candace Lamb, and I'm here to encourage you to explore the possibilities of your best life, what it looks like, and what it takes to get there. I've gathered successful leaders all around the globe to ask the questions we all want to know about business, wealth, health, and relationships. So settle in. You're listening to the Growth and Greatness Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Growth and Greatness Podcast. I am your host, Candace Lamb, and I am thrilled to be coming to you again today with another episode. You guys, this show is for sure going to be probably one of my top episodes because we are talking about a topic that is really near and dear to my heart. It hits home on so many different levels, but I really believe that it is going to help somebody out there tonight. So we are talking about leading after church trauma. And I have a very special guest with me tonight. His name is Pastor Jamal Wright. And he pastors out of, he pastors two locations in Georgia, one located in Donaldsonville and another in Atlanta. His church is called Reviving Generations. And I am thrilled to have him on tonight. We share similar experiences. And I know that God's going to do something really great through our discussion tonight. If you're just joining us for the first time, the Growth and Greatness podcast is a show where I get the privilege of talking to leaders all around the globe. And I get to ask them all kinds of questions about life and faith and business and all sorts of things in order to help this community grow. So Without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on and we are going to hop right into it. Pastor Jamal, good evening. Pastor Candace. (laughs) (laughs) What a pleasure to have you on the show tonight. I am so excited about this conversation because I think it's so needful. Before we got started in this episode tonight, we were doing some prep conversations. And so before I get too deep into things, Pastor Jamal, how long have you been pastoring in Atlanta or in Georgia? Officially three years now, like officially on paper, documented, I have been pastoring for three years. But however, being with my family, I have been pastoring forever. (laughs) That's how the call of ministry works. You've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Before you ever get a title, they like, oh yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. Everybody Amen. has the answer. And I'm like, I don't have all the answers. Let's pray. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. So as you heard, our conversation tonight is going to be leading after church trauma. I just wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about your take on church trauma. Like what has been your experience with it? Yeah, let's just, let's start there. What has been your experience with church trauma? That's a lot. (laughs) That's like a whole, a whole lot to talk about. So, but church trauma, like it's, so one of the, one of the things that I always tell people like church is one of the most traumatic places in the world. Like it's so traumatic, like, especially if it's a toxic church. So it's going to be very traumatic and it's going to be, I don't have a biblical example right now, but we'll think of one later on. But my experience with church trauma or toxicity in the church is I've had some experience of my own and I've witnessed Mm -hmm. other people go through the trauma, right? And them going through the trauma and even myself going through those traumatic experiences or events 
most people don't realize that they're in a toxic or an abusive relationship because we've been conditioned throughout the church that this is just correction or this is how we we show that we love you right or i am this authoritative figure and you don't question it was just so funny that we're talking about this just the other day i saw a post on facebook that made me angry like and i wanted to respond but i was like don't respond because if you respond you're gonna have a whole fight right because my people they say but they still carry the blade so <laughs> They're in process. (laughs) But the post said something along the lines, like, this guy's an apostle. He's like, when you lie to me, you're lying to God. Like, and I was like, oh, oh, that's how we do it now. So it was very interesting. And it took everything in my soul not to respond. But that's the kind of environment that we've created where these offices and these seats have been so tainted to they feel that they are the final authority. Mm-hmm. They don't give room for God to do anything. I got this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. That's the basis of like the, the church traumatic events that I've experienced. And I've mm-hmm. seen others experience too. I thought it was really interesting that you said that church can be a traumatic place. Because when you said that, I thought to myself, man, that is so true. But if we're honest, like church can be traumatic for a lot of different reasons. When we're coming into church, for some of us, we're coming in because life has hurt us. Or first of all, life can deal the best of blows to to us all. But church comes, being in church is a place where you are getting healed, you're mending, you're working through your problems, you're, you know what I mean? You are going through these things. They're very tender and you have to be vulnerable. And and sometimes, and I'm using this analogy, but I don't mean to be super spooky about it, but like it can be a bloody place because like I'm healing and I'm processing and it's messy and all of these things, right? And so church can be a traumatic place without the input of other people within the community leaders and lay people alike. It can just be a traumatic experience because walking with God sometimes like that process is can be unsettling sometimes. Like it's good in the end, but all of the all of the phases of it are not always beautiful. Sometimes they're painful, sometimes they're whatever. But then when you add community to that, it has a tendency or it has the potential to become something different than what it should be. And I recognize that too. And I, what's sad to me is that I think that there are a lot of people who have experienced that. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit about, you alluded to it, like this toxicity when it comes to leader relationships and stuff like that. So you were in a situation, you were at a church where you were under, you were in a toxic environment. And my question to you is, how did you know that it was a toxic environment? And I'll tell you why I'm asking this question, because I think that there are some spaces that are toxic, but then there are some spaces that are just pressurized for your grooming and for your development. And they're not necessarily toxic, but they may be uncomfortable. And I think that some people find themselves in pressurized environments where the Lord is doing something to bring out the best in them. And they label those as toxic spaces because they're uncomfortable. But then there are some people who are in spaces that are actually toxic and they have a hard time coming to that conclusion that this is actually not good. I told you 
the pressurized place like that that caught my attention because you do have from my experience you will have two different type of people you'll have those who are being pressurized or cultivated or groomed for the future and the betterment of themselves and the betterment of where they're going and then you'll have those who are in actual toxic relationships and you have to learn and i tell my congregants this is that you have to understand the relationship dynamic going into those spaces right so usually you'll find those who are having father issues or who are having mother issues or other type of relationship issues that they're running to this space to find a safe space so that they can create a relationship that they don't have outside of the church. And those individuals, when they get into that space, they're falling into, oh, this is dad, this is mom, this is my father, this is my mother. And they're trying to create what they didn't have outside. And they don't, they haven't established the parameters of the relationship. So when they're in these spaces where they haven't established those parameters of the relationship, they're going to find themselves in toxic spaces because either the leader is not willing to be your father or your mother, they just want to pass to you and go home, and you're looking for something from them that they're not willing to offer. Mm-hmm. So we sometimes we create the toxic environment based on our own personal trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there are other situations where the leaders who are in the this leadership role they don't have the power that they seek at home so they come exert that power in the church so it's like i'm the pastor you're gonna listen to what i got to say and like most people don't realize the level of abuse because it's so subtle for example this whole what's the word i'm looking for trivializing situations. That's a form of abuse. Like they're always placing like, oh, you're just overreacting. Like you, you, you got to suck it up. This is the Lord's work. You're overreacting. And that's a form of abuse. And most people don't realize it or look at it in that form mm. that this is toxic conversation. Mm. So mm-hmm. I probably went off on a tangent, but no, 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 no. I love, I love what you said about the, that mother and father relationship because I think that there is something to that. I can go back to my experience. And though I never use that label of somebody being a spiritual parent to me, I submitted to them in that way, right? Out of respect, out of a desire to honor them. So at the time, because they were my leader and I did not understand leadership outside of the construct of parenthood, And that's just because I didn't have a lot of life experience. I was right out of school, right? And so, but I think that this is important for all of us, right? There's a difference between being under a leader as an adult and there's a versus being under a leader as a child, right? When you're under a leader as a child, that relationship does not warrant any questions, especially if you're a black child. Now, I don't know about these days. I don't know about the, how these parents do. I didn't heard about a thing called gentle parenting. I don't know what that allows, right? But when I grew up, <laughs> like, you are not going back and forth. You're not asking questions. You are not asserting your, your opinion about things. Like, you are just doing what you are told. You are very complicit, right? And so I took my understanding of my role as a child, and I carried that over to my 
my submitted role as a congregant under my leader because I did not understand my role as an adult. I only understood submission as a child. But that wasn't their fault. That was my fault. What'd you say? I was a different child. Listen, I questioned, I asked, and I had something to say. Oh, God. (laughs) My mouth got me in so much trouble as a child. So, like, me carrying that over into a toxic relationship as an adult. So, now I've come into adulthood, and now it's like, Oh, you, you, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, it's that whole attitude. Like, you are not going to talk to me like this. I am a, a whole adult man. I'm 6'6". Six, six. I'm an adult. I'm a real adult. So you're not going <laughs> to talk to me like this. So carrying that mouth and that attitude over into adulthood, into the church, where you're confronted by authoritative figures who have something to say, and sometimes they come off on the attack or they're attacking. And it's like, oh, you're not going to attack me. Mm-hmm. So how did that work with you? Because now I'm curious. I can see I can see how I, I may have been taken advantage of. Because I'm like, you the boss. <laughs> what you want me to do? <laughs> right? But it takes a different kind of environment to subdue that type of personality that's used to speaking up for themselves. So I wondered, how did things get toxic and what did that look like for you? That's a good question. So I feel like one of the one of the spaces that created this whole toxic environment was I was 18 when I, so I, like a lot of y'all been saved a long time. Like not, not me, just, just a few years. Like I'm still a babe in Christ. <laughs> anyway. So, so I came into this whole apostolic, prophetic, Pentecostal movement at like 18, like 18 mm-hmm. coming into 19 and coming into that, Literally, I just wanted God. Like, I really just wanted the Lord. Mm-hmm. The extra stuff, the, the titles, the positions, I literally just wanted the Lord. Like, that's all I wanted. But being 18, 19, 20, I've had some ebb moments in those spaces where I say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go out here and have fun in the streets. Like, And one of those moments, I had a conversation with a pastor about that moment, right? Like, this is what I did felt guilty, felt shame, felt condemned. So I wanted to have this conversation. So this is what I did. I've always been the kid to own up to what I've done. Like, no matter the consequence, just go ahead and whoop me. Let's get it over with. Like, it is what it is. I might do it again tomorrow, but go, <laughs> go ahead and whoop me today. So I had this conversation and pastor said something to me. I'll never forget it. He said, uh, people are not like God. People don't forgive like God. And now growing up, knowing that that's not true, but that's where the space that they created. So it was like, eh, we'll deal with it. This is your consequence. But the heart, the heartbreak in it all was after that conversation, you come out of the study and you have the conversation over the pulpit that we had. And you say the Lord told you to change the title of the series that you were teaching for Bible study. I said, there are tears running down my face. <laughs> and I said, do I fight now? Do I fight later? Or do I just leave? So that's when I realized that like the space that I was in had become a toxic space because I was vulnerable. I was being vulnerable and and I was trying to be humble as I knew how. And you take my vulnerability and you spew it out across the mm-hmm. conference. Not that anyone knew, but it's the simple fact that you would take what we shared 
Mm -hmm. spew it out everywhere. And it's like, I tell like my pastor friends, like there has to be a level of confidentiality that you have to have with your member. Like you can't go have a conversation and then go tell their business. You know? Right. If you need that outlet, go get on the sofa, like go talk to a therapist. Like you need that anyway, but just incorporate that in your life. So that's when I knew like the level of toxicness that I was in or coming, heard about it. But now I'm experiencing it. Right. And I would, I would love to speak to that because I have, that has never happened to me where my confidence has been exploited. However, I have seen it happen to others. And I have heard leaders say things like, well, you know, I just felt like I needed to deal with it. Like the Lord just impressed me to deal with it and all, all of those things. But I wonder and I, I don't say this in a in a critical way, but I think to myself, the Lord has never exploited my confidentiality with him. So when I feel like I'm experiencing something different from my leader than what I would experience from my Lord, it causes me to question. And so, you know, I think that that information or that perspective is helpful for leadership, but it's also helpful for people who are in the congregation, right? If you're experiencing something from your leadership that you don't experience from the Lord God himself, Jesus Christ, right? It's okay to give pause and to give consideration. Like, you know what I mean? And one of the things that I, I remember thinking to myself is like, obviously these people know more than I do right? So I'm like, you've been serving the Lord for a long time. I have aspired to serve him for a long time, but I know that I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as you about the things of God and all of these things. So again, I subjected myself to things because I loved God and because I just wanted him. And my heart breaks for people who just love God who are sitting in their pew or they're sitting in their church and they are experiencing the pain of toxic environments when you have a heart that's tender towards the Lord. So I want to talk about how transition came for you and like, how did you know that it was time for you to make a move? Did you feel like, did the Lord give you some supernatural courage? Like what, how did it, how did it all transpire for you? So I've never been the one that was scared to leave. Like, listen, I was just telling somebody last night, I would jump out the plane without a parachute. Like, Hold on. <laughs> listen, I, I'm him. I, I'm going to take a leap <laughs> and be like, Lord, just catch me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but like the whole transition piece for me from that actual ministry was it, it looked like. So I attempted to leave. Like, I really attempted to leave. Right. I attempted to leave and just go live my life and do what I got. To. And the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and was like, no, not yet. I was like, I, I don't understand about this. Not yet. Cause this not going to end well because my family kind of got a few loose screws. And like, if anything happens where they have to make a conversation, it's not going to end well cause they not, they not wrapped too tight. So men Lord has this conversation about me and I was so against his voice at that time. I was like, nope, this is not the Lord. This is the devil because I can't sit in this space for this. For me, it's not healthy. for This me. is wild. So you're in a toxic environment. You go to the Lord. The Lord's like, don't leave just yet. So it's the thing. I didn't even ask him. I was just leaving. 
I was going to talk to him later. Listen, we'll deal with this later, Lord. Like, I was at the point where I was just going to leave. Like, I'm just leaving. Like, I'm leaving. I'm done. And I was walking out of church on a Wednesday, on that Wednesday night. And I wasn't coming back at all. That Wednesday was it. I didn't tell nobody. I didn't ask for a letter. I didn't submit a letter. I didn't withdraw. I was just leaving. Like, I'm going on by my business. And I walked through the door, and the Lord said, not, don't leave. Not yet. It's not you. Nope, not you. And one of the one of the elders at the time, she caught me in the parking lot, and she was like, I don't know what this means, but the Lord says not to leave yet. And I'm like, got jokes, Lord. So, so I stayed, and I went from serving to not being able to serve as my punishment, right? So that was my punishment. I couldn't serve. So being in that space where I was not able to serve was very interesting for me because I'm looking at things that need to be done, but I don't have the ability to get those things done that needs to be done for leadership, right? So it's like the servant in me is like, I need you to do this, 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 and this. Like, here, take this sticky note. This is what you need to do. <laughs> and, and being in that space was so uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. And I never forget, I went back to my leader at the time and we had a conversation. I was like, I need to do something. Like, been long enough. Like, I need to do something. And it was like, we'll just put you over where we put all the castaways. You'll go sing in the choir or praise. And I never understood that dynamic. Like, you would have what you would consider the outcast or the, the sinners or the lesser bands go sing in the choir. Like, that didn't make sense to me. But that's a whole nother conversation for a worship set. <laughs> But, and that's what, that's where I found myself. Like, I can't sing, I, I can't. Like, they talk about me all the time, but I sung that tenor note in the choir because I wanted to serve. Like, if, if I'm gonna be here, Lord, I need to serve, right? And then time went on and I had another conversation with my pastor when I felt the release of the Lord. Like, the Lord's like, this is it. So I had a conversation with him and I, sat down, we talked, right? And he looked at me and he said to me, he said, you amazed me at how you endured through this. So my, uh, my, what I got from that was my staying in that space was the ability for the Lord to minister to him how to endure. So being in that space, had the conversation, he gave me his speech and I left, I was done. Maybe within the next two weeks, I hopped on a plane and went to Denver. Like I was gone. And I felt so relieved to be free from that space and that situation. And me being me was like, I ain't joining nobody else church. Nope. I'm in Denver. I'm not in Georgia. Don't nobody know me. Like, we good, right? And it was very interesting. I left Denver for a weekend to go to California. Ended up in California and this this lady comes to me and she says, it doesn't matter what coast you, you run to, the Lord still calls your name. I'm like, look, Mr. Jesus, I'm not here for this. I'm just trying to have a free life and be good and do what I got to do and witness to a few people here and there and we good. So, and that was my exit or my segue to my exit. You know, I love, I love how the Lord leads us. 
because I believe that there are people who are listening to this podcast now who have made a similar decision. And like you, I made a similar decision. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. (laughs) This is for the birds. (laughs) And it took me some time. It took me some time to debrief. It took me some time to process everything that I had gone through. Because again, we said it at the beginning, like our intent, our desire was to please the Lord. It was to serve the Lord. So our motives for service is, okay, God, I want to, I want to do it your way. I want to do whatever I can to serve you. But then when things go awry, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, I love the Lord, but it's his people. It's his people, right? And for those of you who feel that way, I empathize with you. However, the Lord still calls your name. He still calls your name. He still calls your name. He still calls your name. Now, I believe that that's resonating with somebody right now. Because the fact of the matter is people are not perfect. Churches are not perfect. But the Lord fights for what is his. And when you have a heart that is genuinely pure towards the Lord, he is not quick to leave us to ourselves. He's not quick to let us walk away. And I love that about him. He pursues us. Even when we are clear that we do not want this. (laughs) He pursues us. He chases me. Come on. Come on. He definitely does. He definitely does. You said something earlier about the desire to honor, right? And I feel like a lot of people don't understand the concept of honor. And in the space where you're in a toxic relationship, you still have to find the element of honor. Like you still have to be able to honor whoever the toxic person is. And like a lot of people like, you just got so much grace for everybody. Like, no, that's not right. But you still have to honor them. You still have to honor David. And I'm going to go scripture real quick. David, Come on. David had the opportunity to kill Saul several times, right? And David said, who am I to touch the Lord's anointing? Even though the relationship was toxic and even though like Saul was trying to take his life literally, David said, I will spare his life because the Lord still anointed him. Mm-hmm. And that's a level of honor that we sometimes fail to reach because our emotional state and our trauma and once that gets in the soul it is hard listen it is hard to show honor in that space when somebody that you feel is unhonorable like they're not you don't even they don't deserve honor is what we'll tend to say so it's that it was interesting that you said that you had the desired honor and that just it's so true and i love that you even brought that out because As a result of this church hurt wave that has hit our churches, we now approach things on the backs of our rights. I have a right to do this. I have a right to that. I have a this, 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 this. You can't talk to me like this. You can't do this to me. Like, I'm only coming here to get what I need. Right? But I've been doing this study trying to learn about honor. Like, what does God require? Because the Bible is clear, like, (laughs) I was actually just talking to Jonathan about this. He was saying, like, when I did a, I did a study and I was looking at all of the ways that, you know, the term honor is used in the Bible. And I, from what I remember and what I can recall, please don't shoot me if I'm wrong about this, but if I remember correctly, there were more times where the Lord was talking about us giving honor than us receiving honor. So it's clear to me, like, 
the Lord cares about us honoring others and honoring things. Like he says, honor your mother, honor your father. He talks about how there's no authority given on earth. That's not that, that the Lord isn't in. So even if we have leaders that we disagree with, like the Lord has put them in place, right? And so it's not always honoring the individual based on their behavior. It's about honoring the fact that all authority is God given. And so I honor the Lord in that all authority is God given. And I may disagree with how that person is presenting through their leadership. And that's something that me and the Lord are going to have to sort through, but there's still honor due right? I can't withhold honor because I disagree. Right. And I love even, you know, as we were preparing for this thing, I'm careful from my own experience not to be like, oh yeah, that pastor abused me. That person abused me, this and that. I I don't like to throw that around because as I was debriefing, as I was healing, the Lord started showing me things. He was like, you know, you went into this in an unhealthy posture. And I was like, ooh, I went into this, even though I was an adult, I was a new, I was a young adult, but I wasn't adult. I went into this and I, I relinquished my adulthood to be a child. Now, some people don't do that. Some, but I realize, I recognize now that some leaders operate best when they infantize their church. Yes. Right. So the only way that you're going to get the best out of this pastor is if you're their child <laughs> right? But I don't believe in that because I'm not a child, right? I'm not a child and I need to be able to grow into the fullness of who God has called me to be as an adult. And I'm a leader that is going to nurture me as what I am, right? And so I need to be able to, to be sharpened as an adult. I need to be able to to deal with the world as an adult. And I don't, I shouldn't have to be a child in order to be led, but that was something that I learned, and I I, re- I recognize that nobody did that to me. I did that to me. And a lot of times we do do that to ourselves, though. Like we'll go, like I said, we'll go looking for a certain thing or a certain personality or a certain desire. We'll look like, oh, they do this within the ministry, and I feel like this will be a good fit for me because this is what I'm looking. Mm-hmm. But that's the conversation of ninety percent of the people that are looking for a church. I'm looking for something that fits me. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that what we're looking for that fits us is filtered through our soul. And if there's any level of trauma in that soul, then you're going to gravitate to what is toxic or what that trauma looks like in your soul. And it can be as simple as I, I like my, I have an older brother. He's passed away. But my older brother had such a desire not to be like our father to he became our father. Like, and that trauma, like, it, it's embedded in the soul. So now you're filtering stuff through your trauma and you're trying to find a place fit is like, oh, this is it. And it's like, oh, I welcomed the toxic relationship, not knowing that I didn't deal with the trauma within me. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a two-way street, you know. It is. In this whole counseling world and therapy world and in this whole degree that I'm pursuing around therapy and counseling is that there is an entire study that counselors and therapists have went into that we didn't see years ago and it's called church hurt like their counseling sessions for this and it's because of the influx and the abuse i don't want to say that no 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 scratch that from the record 
it's the authoritative figures that that are feeling that they need to make adjustments that they don't want the Lord to adjust, if that makes sense. I'll say it that way. So, oh, I love that you said that because ultimately in some cases it does present as an abuse of power or a misappropriation of power or authority. And one of the things that I recognized, but I didn't recognize it until I started pastoring, that it's like, okay, now you have this pastoral assignment on your life. And if you're performance driven and you want things to turn out a certain way, it's really easy for you to get over into the realm of, or get cross the line into the Lord's territory. Cause you're like, well, well let me just tell you what it is that you just need to do. <laughs> let me just, let me just stop you right there. Let me, I'm gonna tell you what your problem is. You know what I mean? And the Lord, like, I, man, I have had so many times where I was talking to the Lord. He's like, Candace, like the Holy Spirit is the one that does the changing. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the the rearranging, right? Like I will use you to facilitate guidance. And in some cases I will use you to facilitate correction. But at the end of the day, like it's the, the spirit of God that changes people. Like we don't change people. And he's like, you cannot become so invested in the results. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's a misunderstanding on our part as, as to what our results should be. Like right. my success is in my obedience to God, not in my parishional and how my parishioners act out their obedience to God. You know what I mean? Like, so if I'm judging my success about how my congregants are acting, then I'm going to want them to be in a turtleneck in a hundred degree weather. I'm going to want to make sure, you know what I mean? Like that, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like that's where that type of leadership comes from when you start assessing your success based on what your people are doing in their relationship with God. Because you can't control that. People going to do what they going to do. They going to do what they going to do. And as a previous congregant, <laughs> he said, that's what I know. <laughs> Listen, I know this for a fact. <laughs> yes. Yes. And one, one of the other things that I've encountered coming up in the church was like, you get these prophetic words, right? And some of the prophetic words are just soulish, like their soul. It's completely, it ain't got nothing to do with God. It's just soul. Yep. And not in a negative way, because most leaders want the best for their people, right? Yeah. And if they see something that they feel is best, just like a parent, it's like like when you're dating and you bring somebody around and you, your mom be like, oh, this thing nice. That's that'll be good for you. But they right. don't know. They don't know. It's, it's another side to the coin. Right. And you will get these prophetic words, but they have great intention, right? They, they have great intention. But we, as leaders, and I'm speaking as a current leader now, we have to learn how to distinguish our desire from the desire of the Lord. And when you have those soulish utterances, you, you now enter into the space where you're creating an environment that can definitely become very toxic from the standpoint of, you now have people relying on you for what is considered good. Right. Now they're looking for your voice like, oh, they say this good. Let me let me ask about I gotta buy a car. 
So I'm not going to ask the Lord. I'm going to ask my pastor. Because if my pastor says it's good, we're going to get it, right? Right. And now you get this car that you can't afford <laughs> because the pastor said it was good. So we have to learn how to distinguish that. And I am very, 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 like one thing my, my congregation knows for sure. And those that don't know will know now. I do nothing as it relates to relationships. Listen, you make your choice. Make your bed. <laughs> don't, don't bring them to me. <laughs> make your bed. Make your own decisions. Because <laughs> no, you will not come back and be like, well, Pastor, you said, mm-mm, mm-mm, So, yeah, like we have to learn how to distinguish. Them. And if we have, as leaders, if we have that undealt with trauma, we won't know how to distinguish. This is it. This is it. And even like one of the things that I've recognized is this is why it is so important to how the Bible says not to think more highly of yourself than you ought, even in leadership, because you can begin to, I say you, but I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Like, again, if I take on, if I take this role too seriously and I'm not to, and I don't mean to imply, imply that I take it casually, but if I begin to think of myself more highly than I ought, then I begin to position myself in ways where I become like the linchpin to too many things, like you said. That's when you have people and they won't make a move unless they talk to you and they won't do a thing unless they talk to you. But really, my role as a leader is to teach you how to hear from God. My role as a leader is to teach you how to cultivate an ear where the Lord can lead you and guide you into all truth because you know what his voice sounds like. Right. But if I'm not clear on my assignment and I have my own issues with my self-worth, then I'm going to make myself indispensable to my congregation when that's not my role. That's my, not my role. And it may it may feel really good for a season. But then when I'm tired and I don't want to be bothered, now my people are shipwrecked. Because I haven't taught them how to hear from God. It's a bondage. Absolutely. It's a bondage. Like it's, it's it's. No, this is it. Absolutely is right. And so our if our job is to be facilitating people walking in freedom, like this is how the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and to destroy. Because he gives he gives something that has the appearance of freedom, but it doesn't have the fullness of freedom. Right. So now where I'm supposed to be walking in life and liberty and I'm supposed to be walking into the light of Christ, I'm still bound through my church. <laughs> the devil is a liar. And that's one of the, the hardest things that I deal with as a pastor is because when people are coming, they say they want freedom, but they don't want the responsibility of being free. Ooh. And freedom requires responsibility. You have to be responsible in order to be free. Mm-hmm. And they don't want that. They want the pastor to make it. When you, pastor, can you? No, you, you, the liberty that you want, you have to be responsible for that. And like the rest of the pastoring gig, I won't, like I said, I've only been doing it for three years. I'm still new. For the rest of pastoral responsibility, it's kind of cakewalk. It doesn't frustrate me. But the only thing that frustrates me is people screaming they want freedom, but they don't want responsibility. And that's so good because if we're honest, if we're honest, that can easily become the breeding ground for that toxic kind of environment. So you don't want to be, and I say you, but 
there are some people who they don't want to be held responsible and accountable for their faith walk. And they would much rather just feed me, just do this, just tell me what to do. Just, you know what I'm saying? And because there are some leaders and I'm not saying that there are not malicious leaders, right? But there are some leaders that care for their people and they're like, well, let me just step in. Let me just be the dad. Let me just be the mom. Let me just be the whatever, you know? And it's cute at first, but that's not the model like that's not the model that we should be using because it has so much the, the risk is so high for things turning into a situation that it ought not be we're not parents we're shep we're under shepherds under shepherds right we're under shepherds and those roles are very different they're very different and i can love you i can love you and and i can do life with you but if i'm not clear on my part my role and you're not clear on your role things will inevitably get really really sticky and so then we end up blaming each other when really maybe neither of us were playing the role that we should have that goes back to like the beginning like you have to define the relationship role. Mm-hmm. You have to give clear, a clear definition to what this relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. People that want to join the ministry, I ask them, what are you looking for? Because this, mm-hmm. this will help me. What are your expectations? Because I'm gonna let you know now, if it's up here and I can't do it, I'm taking it out. Don't put, don't set that expectation right. on me because I ain't gonna make, <laughs> you know, right. I'm not that guy. So, right. so, like those clear lines that you have to define, like this, these are the parameters that we operate in. You don't call me after business hours because I'm not, I'm not the ambulance or the funeral home or the police or the emergency room. <laughs> like you have to define those parameters. And I think like when you set those parameters within the, the confines of relationship, it gives people space to operate and maneuver in a healthy way mm-hmm. for both parties. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you this too? One of the things that I found is that when people don't want to be held accountable, they will, like I, like we said, they will lean into that more parental thing. But I find that people are looking for me to be accepting and me to grant. Like, here's the thing. We will have had a conversation and you know what the Lord is saying to you, right? Not because I said it. Because I'm asking you, like, what's the Lord saying, right? And I've had people say, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying to me. But in the same breath, they don't want to do it. But they're looking for me to make them feel okay for not doing it. They're like, oh, but it's just so hard. Oh, I'm just not ready. I'm just, you know what I mean? And this may not be the case for everybody, but for some people, I think it is. And I'm, I'm only using this as an example because I believe that the people who are listening to this podcast, they care to grow. And sometimes you've got to hear a scenario that's like, oh, I do that. And I don't need to be doing that anymore, right? So I'm looking to my leader to soften the blow of what I know that the Lord is requiring of me. And I'm looking for them to tell, to let me off the hook. But here's the thing. I can't let you off the hook for something that the Lord is requiring of you. Listen. And you can come to a leader and they can attempt to make you feel better. But at the end of the day, nobody can let you off the hook of what the Lord is requiring of you. 
Because this is one thing that the Lord told me in my in my development journey. He said, Candace, when it's all said and done, you stand in front of me by yourself. And I tell you what I won't accept is you telling me that you didn't do what I told you to do because somebody else wouldn't allow it. And I was like, oh, amen to that. So our obedience will be my portion. <laughs> Listen, we will obey without with, with no resistance. With no resistance. <laughs> right because in those environments it's like well my pastor won't let me well you know they told me to wait on this and and i'm not i'm not trying to create any rebels who are listening but listen if you are hearing clear direction from the lord to do something like your first allegiance is to the lord right and your leader in theory should be in support of you obeying the lord like please yes so that's the interesting thing. Like, that's the interesting thing, that your leader should be in support of you obeying the Lord, right? Trying to choose my words wisely. So when I started pastoring, I was at another ministry, and I went to Prophetic Weekend, Summit Weekend. And I want to tell you, it was like everybody had a prophetic word for me, and it all was around the concept of pastoring. I was like, officially, no, get somebody else to do it, right? Like, <laughs> so. I get on the plane and I come back to Georgia with all these words that I've wrote, written down and recorded. And I was like, I'll go back and listen to them later, Lord. And my pastor comes in that morning, that Sunday morning, getting ready for church, and church ready. And my pastor comes in and pastor says to me, I'm standing in her office. And she says to me, she says, I was in prayer. And the Lord says, time for you to leave. Me? Me. You know, because I, I was always that parishioner that serve like I will help you I will push you this will be a great idea you should do this like always handing it off to the hands of another and one of the the prophetic words that stuck with me is that the Lord said that there's a work that only my hands can do well let somebody borrow my hands and let them do it that's real good I know that that's good for somebody else that's listening there's a work that only your hands can do that's so good your hands can do and even even in that that like the Lord speaks to your leader and i want to encourage the leaders that do have parishioners and congregants that the lord speaks to them and you trust the lord in them and the lord speaks to you concerning their next move is that you have to allow them to leave and be graceful about it. your broken heart for the lack of better words um should not be aimed at them like the lord already told you so allow the release to happen so that they can go and do the work of the Lord. It's not like you're losing somebody. It's just another extension of who you are, especially if you're an amazing leader. Let the people go. That is so good. Can I tell you a funny story? It's funny, ironic, not funny. Ha ha. <laughs> so I was serving at, the, at a church and I considered the environment to be toxic. But at the time, I thought it was just me. I wasn't prepared to make a decision to move. And I was, I had a friend of mine who, he was a friend then, but he he later became my husband. I honestly, I wouldn't even tell him the details of what was going on at my church because I just didn't want to, I didn't want to hear it, right? I knew he was going to say something and I was like, I'm not even just going to share it with you, right? But I thank God that he, he heard from God because the Lord had him to start praying for me. And he was like, I could see that this environment wasn't healthy. It wasn't good for you. And I could see that the Lord wanted more for you. 
right? And he never prophesied to me. He was never like, you need to lead that church. He never did those things. He prayed for me, right? And the Lord had orchestrated a few things and told him to do some things. And, and he obeyed that in his process of praying for me. And my leader at the time, they were not, they were against me going anywhere else, right? There had been seasons before where I was like, I don't think this is for me. I wasn't making any plans, but in my heart, I was just like, I, I'm not sure. And every time I had those, like you said, ebb, <laughs> every time I had that, that time, they would call me into the office and they'd be like, where are you going? What you trying to do? And I interpreted that as the Lord, as the Lord giving me confirmation that I needed to stay, right? And so, but that feeling kept coming up. Like, I don't, I'm not sure that this is for me. So long story short, Jonathan is in the background and he's praying and he's like, Lord, like he's praying for a way of escape for me. He's like, Lord, I pray that she would just be released from this church. And I'm in a meeting one day and my pastor, whom I had, like they were aware of Jonathan being a friend of mine, but my pastor like breaks into, breaks into the meeting and she says, Whoa. she says, you tell your friend Jonathan that whatever he's been praying for, the Lord just gave it to him. <laughs> and I didn't even know that he was praying for my release, right? So later I had asked Jonathan, I was like, what have you, what were you praying for? And he didn't even tell me then that he was praying for it. He only told me after, after, right? But in this, in this moment, and I, I say all of that to say, like, the Lord knows how to move us. And the Lord knows how to get a word to us and to send a confirming word for those of us who are like, I'm not sure I'm wanting to move at the leading of the Lord. Like he knows how to get a word to us. My leader at the time would not have just outright been like, yeah, you want to leave here? Sure. Go for it. Goodbye. But they ended up confirming the very thing unbeknownst to them. They ended up giving me the confirmation that I needed to transition. So the Lord can do it in a lot of different ways. And I just want to encourage somebody like seek the Lord and, and, and move at his leading and he will make it plain to you. Don't move cause you mad move at the leading of the Lord and he will make it plain to you. Because I tell you what, you don't want to move on a bad note. You don't want to move when the Lord is not leading you because you don't want to take that with you to somewhere else. Right? Because it will sour the next thing. I feel like I feel like it's important for both pastor and congregant to know the timing of the Lord. And I think that's a lot a lot of a struggle with the timing of the Lord mm -hmm. when it comes time to move on. And that's just not even in church, but that's just in life. We will hold on for dear life. <laughs> you are right. We act like the church we came into is the church we got to die in. Listen, yes. <laughs> and knowing that timing, like the timing of the Lord is so is so key when it's time to, to move and be released. And that's just not within church. That's like in your career, in your family life, like you have to know the timing of the Lord. And as leaders, I feel like we have to be sensitive to the timing of the Lord. And we also have to be understanding of the timing of the Lord. Mm -hmm. In our eyes, it may not be the right time or comfortable 
for us. Mm -hmm. But if the Lord says now is the time, now is the time. Like we can't be playing spades with the Lord and renege. I'm telling you. And one day after the Lord says that it's time, like things will never be as good after that season is up. You know what I mean? Like when the season is up, you need to be moving around because there's only one way for that thing to go down. (laughs) Right. And so that, and if we're honest, like how many times has that happened in our lives where we have stayed somewhere over, like we have used loyalty as a reason to stay. And then that thing sours, it turns. And what was good and what was beneficial and what was once nurturing has now become you know, poisonous to us, venomous to us. Like it just turns. And so I love that you said that. Like it is about knowing the timing of the Lord. And like, and that that's one thing that I've also learned or I feel like I'm learning on this side of leadership is that my, like everybody's not going to be here forever and it's okay. And I've got to, I, I think it was Andy Stanley that I heard him once say, he's like, I lead with an open hand. God, whatever you give into my hand, like I don't, I never close it off because one day you may come for that thing that you gave me. And I don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't want to live my life as if the thing that you have given to me is now something that I own. No, I'm just stewarding. I'm just stewarding the thing that you've given me because at one point you're going to come back for this. And so I need to conduct myself in a posture where it's not a shock to me or it's not uh, traumatic to me for you to come back for the thing that you put in my hand. And that's, that's people for the under shepherds. The under shepherds. I, I like it, but it, it's also, I want to, I want to say this. I feel like I, I want to say this. It's also important for us to heal well when we make those transitions and those moves. And a lot of times we don't take the moment to heal so that we can be productive for the next phase. And that entering into one relationship without being healed from the previous relationship, it, it literally causes more trauma, more of a toxic space because you have pastors who started pastoring out of trauma. So when something looks like where they came from, it literally automatically triggers them into creating another toxic space. There's a book that I'm reading called The Body Keeps Score, and it talks about how our souls literally keep a record of every experience. So smell, sight, sound, like small things can trigger that trauma again if we don't deal with it. And a lot of pastors, a lot of us, (laughs) we enter spaces without allowing our hearts to be healed or our souls to be healed. And when something happens, it's an automatic trigger. Sometimes this is like we're talking about measuring success. Like when that trigger hits us and hits our soul and wakes up that trauma, we feel like we failed. And it's not necessarily that we failed. It's that we haven't dealt with the trauma. That is so good. And I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm glad that you brought that up because I I have experienced a lot of people who were like, well, they're not going to let me do it at their church. I'm going to start my own church. They're not going to, you know, I I told them there was a call of God on my life. So if they're not going to let me, then I'm going to go start my own thing. I'm going to whatever, whatever. And here's the thing. There may be a genuine call for ministry on your life. But one thing I do know about the Lord is 
The Lord cares not just about the thing that you are doing, but he cares about the heart in which you're doing it, the spirit in which you're doing it. And sometimes we can be doing the right thing, but if our if the spirit of what we're doing is not right, it is not the right thing, if that makes sense. Right? Right. And it's like, well, you know, I've been sitting in that pew for a long time, and I know that the Lord's been calling me to ministry for all of these years and all these things. Listen, one of the things that we always say here in Bermuda is that the Lord wants you more than he wants your service. If there's a call of ministry on your life, the Bible says that, now I'm forgetting the reference, but I would above all that your soul would, pro- but hold on, that you would prosper even as your soul prospers, right? Like your ministry, the call of God on your life is not going to wax cold while you give yourself a chance to heal. But I tell you what, the call of ministry can be discredited if you don't, and, and that's not that's not what you want. That's not what you want, right? You don't want to have to deal with the cleanup of those things because you just rushed into the next thing. Let the Lord work. Let the Lord heal, debrief, and do all of those things so that when you when you start, when you launch, you are at peace and you are in a good place. And you're not just saying that you're in a good place. One of the things that- That's what I found. People will say they're in, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good over here. Like. I ain't bothered, but their their soul oozes. Oh, for sure. Sure. Okay. Praise the Lord. You know. For sure. And the thing is, I don't think people like this is the this is the craziest thing. Like, I think people think nobody can tell. I'm like, this is a revenge church. (laughs) This is a revenge ministry. This is a I'll show you thing. Prove to you. Right. And I was in that space once and I remember I never forget I was gonna do something and this was just completely flesh. It didn't have nothing to do with the Lord. Like, no, I'm gonna show these jokers, right? I'm gonna show them and I'm gonna do this to show them that I this is what the Lord called me. And the Lord said, No, you're not. I was like, but it's a great idea, Lord. Like, Let's me. Just do it. So no, you're not. And I literally had to squash the plans so that he could still get the glory out out of what he wanted for me. And we have to be sensitive enough. Like, listen, I cannot express this enough. Your pain, you cannot lead through that. You have to deal with it. Come on. You say you will have these revenge ministries, these revenge events. You will invite the best friend or the person you anger with to prove to them, like, I don't need you. Like, you create these spaces, like, you want it to be out of the toxic space, but then you create more toxicity. And it, it, it's, it's troubling. And it's hard for those of us who are really trying <laughs> to lead. <laughs> and you know, it's natural. The feelings are natural. When you feel like you've been restricted and you've been silenced and you've been all of these things for you to come out and be like, oh, finally, like I can do this and I can, you know what I mean? Like those feelings are normal. They're, and and I completely understand them. However, the call of God, like the call of God always requires clean hands. The call of God requires a pure heart. Not to say that people don't do it without it, but the Lord is so much, he is so deserving of more. 
And if you have been hurt in the process of trying to obey, trying to pursue, trying to step into that ministry, allow the Lord to be good enough to you to heal you, to reset the things that have been broken and to launch you in peace and to launch you in joy and to launch you in a place where you can run and you do not have to lead and heal the residue of the past. Like he really can sort it. And here's a, I feel like sometimes what happens is like, well, Lord, I tried it your way. I submitted here, but they took advantage of me. So now I'm taking my call into my own hands. You cannot take the call of God into your own hands. (laughs) That's the thing. Because it turns into a whole nother thing, y'all. You cannot take the call of God into your own hands. You cannot take your ministry into your own hands because you felt like I submitted myself here and somebody took advantage of me and that's never going to happen again. Like we are always yielded to the Lord. We are stewarding this call. And so if it didn't, if it didn't turn out with the last ministry or whatever, go back to the Lord, allow him to heal, reset, provide clarity. I'm telling you, anything that you do after that is worth the time that it takes to heal and recalibrate. So we're just coming to the end of our episode today. Pastor Jamal, thank you, thank you, thank you for such a rich conversation. I'm sure we will have you back at some point talking about some other good stuff. But before we get out of here, oh, please. Anywho, you're welcome. But Before we get out of here, I would love for you to talk about your uh, newest project that just released last week, and that is Confessions of a Generation, which is a prayer project available for download on all platforms. So talk to us a little bit about that. What do you want to know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. How did you even come about it and what is it? So a few years ago, like this is something that's been on the table for years, like it's been the Lord started talking to me about this. And I was like, no, other people are more graceful. And they have a broader dictionary than myself. Like, I'm just a country boy with mud on my shoes still. Like, I still got mud on my boots. But it's been in the making for years now. And it wasn't until last year um, I spoke with um, our musician at the church. And I asked him, I was like, so have you ever done, like, a prophetic prayer project in the studio. He was like, no, but the Lord has been dealing with me about it. And it took one conversation. And after that conversation, every week, like every week, he's like, yo, bro, where we at? What are we doing? Like, we need to get the, you got to get this done. Like the Lord needs this done. And I was just looking at him like, I was just talking about it. I'm not ready. Like, <laughs> I was just <laughs> asking you if you had ever thought about yeah, if you like, had an yeah. experience strategize for the next five years and then <laughs> obviously <laughs> it's gonna take some time <laughs> yeah it's gonna take some time and he was and he just kept 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 going and the lord started talking to me it was like this is necessary this project will establish my history in the earth and i'm like he was like even after years years after everybody that's on the project that's gone people will still hear my heartbeat in the earth from this project. So I call, I prayed and I was like, Lord, who do you want me to have on this project? So, and I reached out to people. I was like, Lord, I don't know. They live in two States over. Now it's going to take them eight hours to get here. If they drive six hours, if they drive. 
And I prayed and I contacted them. And they was like, listen, we, we are there. And it was such, like, I cried that whole weekend that we went into the studio because to see the response of people that just wanted to pray, like they didn't want anything else other than just to pray. And on this project, Confessions of a Generation, the ages range from 13 to 60 something. So we have a broad span of the generations that are literally praying the desire in the heart of the Lord. Like I've been getting testimonies day after day about this project since it released on April 3rd. So people have been like sharing their testimonies with me about what the Lord is doing for them. Like they've listened to the CD and they've been in a stuck place, but they listened to the prayer CD and the Lord reignited a fire. And like, this is the purpose and the desire of the Lord. Reignite, revive, restore his people through his intercessors. So he's bringing back the voice of the intercessor and he's restoring the integrity of intercessors also. So go out to all streaming platforms and pick it up. It's called Confessions of a Generation. I promise you it'll bless your soul. I agree. I have heard it. I've listened to it multiple times and it is a blessing. Not only are the prayers a blessing, but even the underlying worship underneath. I was like, oh, come on, come on. Now that thing, that thing hits. I said, you better sing, mom. You better sing, ma'am. I'm telling you guys, if you enjoy those types of projects, like, and I love it. I love it that each of the tracks are dedicated to a, a different topic of prayer. So I know you're praying over the leaders. You're praying for, was it um, men? I heard um, the, there was a prayer for men. There was a prayer for, who else am I missing? There was a prayer for Generation Z. And this, I'm gonna call him a kid because he is a kid. He doesn't pray like a kid. <laughs> And the funny thing about it, he's one of my students. So I teach and he's one of my students. And I was looking for someone young to pray. And and I said, let me ask his mom. So I reached out to his mom and she was like, let me pray about it and see what the Lord says. And we'll let you know. And she got back with me and was like, yes, it will be an honor. The Lord has released him to do it. So he, she talked to him about it and he was so excited. Like, he was so excited. He came to school. He was like, Mr. Wright, how long do I have to pray? <laughs> Just pray. He was like, I think I could pray for 30 minutes. I was like, oh, you doing it real big. You praying for 30 minutes. Because I, ain't got I, I know some grown folks <laughs> that can't pray for 30 minutes. You better come on. But yeah, he but he prayed into the desire of the Lord concerning Generation Z, uh, which is his generation. And we have the confessions of an intercessor and this woman of God, she sits in the seat of intercessor. And when I tell you that track, like I, the first time I listened to it was on last Wednesday, just as a listener, like not trying to look for anything, not trying to see what needs to be taken out or added, but just sitting there, just listening to it. And I was like, oh, they really, they really prayed, prayed. Like they really prayed. They and pray. then you have Confessions of a Father. This young man, he's a father, and he literally leans into prayer as a father to cover the children. Then you have Confessions of a Warrior, and she goes into this whole warfare spiel in her prayers, and she's fighting and tearing down and uprooting and snatching the tongue out. And I'm like, you better pray. So, <laughs> then you have, what's that? Confessions of, the Confessions of Love, which the intercessor is just leaning into the love of the Lord. And then you have Confessions of Healing, of the intercessors leaning into the whole healing and 
and the desire of the Lord for the people to be healed. And then you have the sobriety of the church. This is the only one that is not titled Confessions of Something, but it's titled The Sobriety of the Church. And this one is so amazing because he releases the word of the Lord on this track as to what the Lord is getting ready to and the desire of the Lord to clean his, clean his name, you know, like restoring the integrity of the church. So it's really good. You should go get it. And I'm not just saying it because we did it, but there's been testimonies of deliverances just from playing the playing this this project. Amen. Absolutely. So go out there, download this project today, Confessions of a Generation. You will not be disappointed. And one last thing before we get out of here, Pastor Jamal, is I would love for you to just say a prayer over our listeners today. Pray for the people who have found themselves either in a toxic situation or recovering from a toxic situation. And uh, also, I would love for you to pray for those who we talked about today, who the Lord is still calling their name, that they would be brave enough to trust God again and give him their yes. Amen. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we appreciate you for this space that you've allowed us to sit in. And Father, we lift up those who are healing and who are still damaged from abusive and toxic relationships, whether it be through the church or through careers or through just uh, natural relationships, Father. Mm -hmm. Father, we ask that you would usher them into a space of healing and restoration. For you declared that you would mend the brokenhearted and that you would heal their wounds. And Father, we thank you for being the healer for them in this moment. We thank you for being the restorer of their faith, even in this moment, God. Father, you declare that you're restoring the strength and the face and the name of your bride. And Father, we thank you for restoring that to these individuals now, God, in Jesus' name. And Father, we appreciate you for being their strong tower in this very hour, God, that we're praying. And Father, we just appreciate you and we thank you for being kind to them. And Father, we also lift up the leaders who have experienced trauma but have not dealt with it. Father, we ask that you would send someone their way, that you would send them a word, that you would give them a dream or a vision to usher them into a space of healing. And Father, we appreciate you for allowing your will and your timing to be their portion, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for securing them in their space, God. And Father, I thank you for restoring, restoring the security to those who have felt like they have been lost in the shuffle. And Father, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, listen, if that's you and that prayer resonated with you, we'd love to hear some feedback from you. If you've got questions, comments, or concerns even about what we discussed on today's episode, again, we would love to hear your feedback. So please feel free to reach out on any social media platform, Candace R. Lamb on Facebook and Candace Lamb on Instagram. You can leave any feedback there. And yeah, thank you for listening to another episode of the Growth and Greatness podcast, and we will see you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Growth and Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe to make sure you never miss a new episode. And follow me on social media at Candice Lamb. That's C-A-N-D-I-C-E. L-A-M-B-E. To catch the replay of this live show, check out my channel, Rain Life Entertainment, on YouTube. 
That's R-E-I-G-N Life Entertainment on YouTube.